Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. So Megan, as a former player, you had said for a long time, Hey, can we do this? And Rob said, well, no, you can't do this. We are not <laughs> going to do this. So, but what, on the on one hand, it's obvious, but on the other hand, what were the sort of the intricacies or the layers that you said, you know, this is a story that we need to tell that people need to see? Well, I think playing for Rob and kind of understanding that tradition and being a Lady Grizz and the community that came out and the fans in Missoula are incredible. So kind of what I personally experienced playing at the university what I personally experienced growing up as a little girl aspiring to that dream and watching the woman before me. And it certainly, uh, you know, Rob actually lived down the road growing up for me. Um, so there's just a lot of history in the story um, personally, but just within the community. And it really was getting into it where I started to go more and more. I knew it was special, but this is a story that people should know about. And I'm sure there's stories in all sorts of different parts of the country that, that we're not aware of. And this is one that I think that people... Um, we'll be surprised and we'll be inspired by what happened because when he took over the program, nobody was following women's basketball. Women were really just getting the opportunity to play. And so here comes a, a you know a star from the men's team that that says, I'll take the reins of the women's, which we have to remember the time. that wasn't that wasn't usual. That wasn't uh, normal. And so took a chance on some women and made them believe that they were capable of more than they were uh, that more than was expected from them before. And then, you know, see what was created after that, because tradition builds tradition, and um, that mindset builds on mindset. So it was a, a really, really powerful experience for me personally, too. Coach, what was this experience like for you? I mean, she said she wanted to do this for a long time. You said no. You said no. What changed? Why did you give it the green light? And you've done thousands of interviews in your career. What's different about making a documentary about your own life? Well, uh, it, it, when when Megan first called and said I want to do this, I 
thought she was kidding, of course, because <laughs> she's a known prankster and uh, <laughs> felt that that was probably another one coming. But uh, uh, I wasn't doing anything else. I was retired. I said, oh, go for it. But I had real no, no real idea what was involved in making something like this. I've learned a lot about filmmaking and documentaries and, and so on through this process. But uh, I, I think it really, and, and Megan would say, it really helped out. I was about three months into retirement, and the ladies threw a big retirement party uh, for me, and a whole bunch showed up, over 100, and it was a really, really nice thing for me, but it also gave them a shot at at getting up here with the uh, cameras and the uh, microphones and interviewing a whole bunch of people that were intricately involved in the Lady Grizz program. Two Tell Me Wannas, 1029 ESPN Radio, Robin Selvig and Marin, Megan Harrington in studio with us discussing uh, the uh, world premiere of The House That Rob Built, a documentary coming out uh, about Coach Selvig's life and times as a coach and uh, and in general women's basketball, I think, too, uh, and the progression of that over these last four decades. Megan, how did you get into the film side of this thing? You live in Los Angeles mm-hmm. now, so okay, that's what you do. Obviously, nobody's doing anything else in L.A. It's just all <laughs> movies. But what? W- w- how did that path go from Missoula, Montana, where you grew up? You didn't mm-hmm. just come here to go to school and play basketball. Mm-hmm. You're from here to get to L.A. and get into the film world. Well, believe it or not, it was jury duty. I had jury duty, and it was a really uh, bad case, and it was uh, child abuse, and it was just horrible. And so I was struggling with that and I went to see my parish priest and got spiritual direction and this idea of being involved with filmmaking had just always been in the back of my head and I this was in Missoula Missoula. okay okay yeah so I'm in Missoula and there's a uh, but the idea had always been in the back of my mind and I just kept kind of pushing it back and we kind of talked through things and I you know there's a program called act one which is uh Christian based and allows you to kind of explore the world of producing or writing, whichever it is you're interested in. And I said, well, I'll apply. And if I get in, I'll go. And I wasn't right out of college. I was uh, older and so there was a lot of, a lot of risks there, but um, jury duty is how I ended up in LA. I'm sure it's a normal story, Ryan. I think that's how everybody ends up in LA. Exactly right. Yeah. Jury duty on one end or the other is how you get into LA, I think. When it comes to the, the journalism aspect of the filmmaking of this documentary, where did this big podcast series, The Grizz Greats, The Coaching Tree, and it's all the guys that either played for or coached under and then have kind of matriculated through the coaching ranks from Judd Heathcote, who I know is a big influence mm-hmm. of Rob's. And interviewing Rob for that podcast series was so fun because he had crossed paths with every single one right. of these guys and had so much of history to talk about because it is 40 years of history. But from a sourcing perspective, this must have been so fun for you mm-hmm. to talk to Lady Grizz that came before you, with you, and after you. Because when you have 40 years of, of gals to pick from, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a lot of stories. It was, and that was so neat. From the very first years, um, his sister, actually, Sandy uh, Sel- uh, Sullivan Selvig, Selvig Sullivan, is one of the race players, too. So um, talking to the, the early team who you become friends with because they come back and coach summer camp. So. Rob's longevity just created this 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 ability for everybody to connect and kind of with this one hub. So that was, and also we interviewed Judd Heathcote. And it was the mm. year, I think, that he passed away later mm. that year, I think it was. But mm. that was a fun interview. Yeah. He is interesting. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was great. And he told us some really great stories that I'd never heard about this, this guy here to my right. Seems like projects like these, you start with a vision and an idea, and then they take on a life mm-hmm. of their own sometimes and start to go in directions that you don't expect. 
people in this part of the country are familiar with the story broadly. What is something that actually happens in the film that takes place that maybe people won't be expecting necessarily without necessarily i don't want you to give anything away here but mm-hmm. he retires you know, at the end right so, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. Like, uh, titanic here yeah I, I think i know how it goes right but is that is there like what, what kind of took place in the process of this maybe even for you personally where you go well i hadn't expected that well we always say there's things that happen for us when we're making the film that happen for the audience and um that happened for just individually personally so there were certainly some personal things along the way um, over and over, you know, you see, you see these women that you've looked up to your, your whole life growing up and they're amazing. They're some of the greatest players that's come through the program and, and to hear him say, well, you know, he took a chance on me and, you know, and I'm sitting there like, I mean, I felt the same way and he really did in my case, but in those, with those women, it was so neat to just see that someone took the time to come find them in places where not a lot of people go, um, small towns, reservations, farms. That was really powerful. Um, just uncovering what what he did here too because i knew that he'd won a lot and i knew all the seasons but when you just start going through all of the records it's amazing it is and i i I was like well i knew that i don't think i really grasped what really happened except through this project and it was it was incredible also i did not know because he would never have said jed heathcote said that if he hadn't hurt his knee um he would have played professionally and so and he wasn't just saying that because you weren't there. I told you how good I was many times. You guys never believed me. I, I, did I ever lose a game of horse in 38 years? I did. So that was also a moment. And to just see when the worst thing probably at the time that happened in his career ends up being beneficial to all these women because his life took a different course. So that was really powerful. Coach, so much of what made the Lady Grizz so Love beloved was the fact that there was so many girls from Montana and girls that come from small town Montana. You had such great Native American players, which captured a whole different portion of the state. But like Megan mentioned, sometimes that was taking a chance on girls. Why? What? What gave you the courage to take chances on small town Montana people? Well, we always recruited to, to get the best players we could. Fortunately for us, many of them were in Montana, and of course, growing up in eastern Montana and being in Montana all my life, I was pretty pretty much aware of players and coaches. The, uh, I knew mm. knew most all the coaches. I'd get a phone call. they say, hey, you should look at this kid. And so that that wasn't that hard. No, we've had lots of really good out-of-state players, too, and they were all – I loved them all. You know, it wasn't uh, – uh, I would have gone anywhere to, to get a good player, but I really felt obligated and, and liked if Montana kids were talented enough to play Division One basketball, I, I wanted to get them. And uh, Montana High School women's basketball is very good. Even years ago, uh, there was great coaching in this state uh, for girls' basketball, even early on. And so it was a, a mutual, uh, mutual friendship. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure. 
and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Two-Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Megan Harrington, Robin Selvig in studio discussing the film The House That Rob Built. It will be premiering tomorrow at the Wilma, 6 o'clock. That show is sold out, as is the Sunday evening film at the Elks, the screening uh, at 6.30. However, a third screening has just been uh, opened up at 2 at the UC Ballroom. If you would like to see it, uh, there are tickets available online at Big Sky Documentary Film Festival, BigSkyFilmFestival.org, I think is what I think that's what it is. Google it, people. That's what we do. We don't go to websites, right? We just Google things. Uh, Coach, you sit down sometimes and uh, you dust off a photo album and you go through and you go, oh my goodness, oh man, I I remember that. It all kind of comes back. You've seen this film. What was it like? What was your experience of watching this, your life to an extent, on screen in this way? Well, it, it really was a reminiscing thing. Um, there was things I didn't remember. I went, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Right. And, and lots of that. And, and at the big retirement party the ladies threw, there was lots of reminiscing. And I never really reminisced much. You know, I don't think coaches do. I, you're worried about your next game and your next season, and you don't really sit back and look back at, at things. Having all the ladies back from 40 years off my first Kids off my first team were here, as well as kids off my last team. Uh, you know that that and it, it just brought back many, many wonderful memories. I said at the uh, retirement party, looking out at all the faces, uh, every one of them I could have told a story about. I mean, every single one of them, and they told a lot of stories about me, half of which weren't true. But uh, <laughs> they, it was so. It really was. It was fun to look back, and and, and I mentioned the retirement party because it was really a time to share all those things, and uh, you know, having so many people to share things with is is pretty neat. It's interesting. To, this is my impression, having grown up in this town, having gone to far more Lady Grizz games than Men Grizz games as a child growing up. Uh, that that. This program was always about the basketball and never about the coach, even though people sometimes wanted to make it about the coach at times. And you have, seems to me, always sort of tried to sidestep a lot of that, which I think is to your credit. And now here it is, sort of spotlight on you again in this. And yet the program, the years, the people are, it, it's, it's obviously so much bigger than just one person and all the networking. Do you appreciate that, that it kind of runs through you in a certain way, but yet it has, it has always been and grown into something that's been so big and impactful to so many people, to the players, the fans, the city, the region, the sport, the gender, all of that? Well, no question. That's one thing about this film. I don't look at it as being a film about me. I, I really don't. There's, there's a story being told here about the growth of women's sports, about opportunities for women about opportunities for Native American women, uh, the, the struggle from the early days when I first started and there weren't scholarships and NCAA didn't sponsor and we were AIAW. And, and so it's a story that a lot of people that were in this from the beginning can relate to. And there's tremendous pioneers in women's basketball. I don't put myself in necessarily in that ca- category, the Pat Ed Summits and the Jody Conrads and the ones that battled from the start. But just to be a part of the growth of, of women's sports and women's basketball here – 
uh, was a pretty rewarding experience. I had three sisters, a, a couple that got opportunities to play sports, one that I think only got one year in high school maybe to play sports. There was no sports for them. And that's not that long ago. I'm old, but I'm not that old. And uh, so, you know, I could personally relate to women get, getting opportunities. I, I, I probably have told this before. It's maybe not funny, but, you know, we used to rib our sisters. We had, there was five boys in our family and three girls, so we had a starting five and three cheerleaders. And <laughs> I'll guarantee you that did not go over well uh, at the time. And so, it won't And now. it won't now. So... <laughs> Megan, we this is the uh, it's been several years we've been doing interviews with directors, producers for documentaries, and it seems as if everybody that's involved in the actual making of these films they get so invested, they become so connected to it. But this was such an influential part of your life before you ever even got into filmmaking. So, mm-hmm. making a film like this that's also partly the story of your life, what was that experience like for you? Just amazing. I'm I'm grateful for that opportunity, and then the team that we work with. John Sippy will be here tomorrow. He's a director as well. Um, so talented, so hardworking, uh, knew nothing about the Lady Grizz, knew nothing about Rob. I don't think he'd ever been to Missoula. And he really just fell in love with the story because it's a universal story. And the uh, editor, John Lewis Cayela, down the stretch, uh, since you've been interviewing people, it's brutal. And, you know, they weren't just settling for, well, you know, this is good. It's just, how can it be better? How can it be better? And then we brought in the music. Grant Fonda did the music for the film. And he made that come alive. That was its own character. Um, so each of this, these different moments, these different players are characters of the film. Montana itself is a character in the film because of where everybody's come from. So it was, I'm just grateful that I got a chance to be part of uh, telling this story that really needed to be told. I think that so many people that do know broadly the story, they know. And they know just the legend that Coach Selvig is and, and the, the resume that he compiled but so I think people, some people, like you said, maybe don't know this story around the country. What do you hope that they take when they watch this? What sort of impact do you hope this has on people that might not know much about the lineage of the Lady Grizz? Well, somebody for who just you know maybe just sitting down watching a movie, likes to watch movies, comes across this story and and it's introduced to a place, a time that something special was happening. Um, they are introduced to the character of Montana, to a coach. You know, any sports story isn't really about sports at the end of the day. It's about women overcoming obstacles in this case. There's wonderful side stories. It's not just basketball games. The basketball games helped us tell the story, but what, we, what was behind it was the, the human connection and the human uh, aspect of the film. So if you are just turning us on, I hope they're inspired to say also in their own life, like I love watching sports films, and when you leave something where you're inspired, what are you going to do with your own life? What is it that maybe you've been holding back on, or what's something that you want to fix or do better or, or, or tackle? So I just hope they're inspired and that they learn a little bit about a place that um, was doing something that was unique. Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Megan Harrington, former player and co-director of The House That Rob Built, going to be airing screening three times. We're airing film screen that's how it works uh and robin selvig in studio with us as well coach all sports teams want to have and sort of tend to have something like uh uh uh, you know alumni who care and are interested in the program and come back to it and it's a point of pride to say you know i'm a you know nittany lion or whatever the case may be but I, I have never, ever seen any program, any sport, any school that has the familial legacy over time that it feels like the Lady Grizz have. How, did you 
did you deliberately want, I mean, you certainly wanted that to be the case, but did you do something to start to create that? Or where did that come from? How did that build to the point where you have every lady is almost to a, a person who is is invested in this program, no matter where they are in the world or in life or whatever, and, and find time to care and be back, and the ones that are here are in the building every single game? Well, there, there's a bond created uh, in that retirement party from, the, from my first teams to the last, and they told stories, and, they, and they're friends. And uh, I always, I mean, it sounds hokey and stuff, but I've said to many teams, you know, what, what we're doing now reflects on what you did in the past. Oh, we, we built on it. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, I, I've been blessed by having great students in, in our program, and it wasn't something I had to, I mean, we go to the NCAAs and, we're playing somebody from the Big Ten or something, and we're on the beach in San Diego for the afternoon for a couple hours, and they're in study hall uh, because you got to have study halls to keep these kids. Well, I'd, I never had to do stuff like that because they learned from the older kids. You got on the bus, you got out your books, and you took care of your, your homework. And so I, it built on itself in that way. And even the, even the uh, uh, wanting to be our best, you know, I, that that grew, and it wasn't it wasn't some magical thing I said in practice or anything like that. They they learned that from the older kids, and we always had a freshman base program. Um, nothing against JCs; there's great ones, and it's a good way to go. But I liked the idea of having someone, and we and we had a lot of red shirts. We had a five year player, so the, the players on the team, uh, you know, showed showed the younger kids this is how we do it. Megan, for you, you grew up in this town one of many girls wanting to be on that mm-hmm. floor playing on that team when that when that happened for you what do you, what do you remember about that what do you like <laughs> now I'm walking into the locker room now I'm running out of the deal well I remember the call because it was about 9 p.m. on a Thursday in January and 20 approximately January 26th um, <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing and uh, and my sister Molly said it's phones for you and I think it's Rob Selvig and I was like wow that's odd because it was late, and so I right. got on the phone, and he we talked for a little bit. He loves talking on the phone with me, so uh, we just <laughs> chatted away. No, he didn't. Um, so he said, "This is Rob. You know, do you still want to be a Lady Grizz?" And at that point, I it wasn't um, th- the scholarship opportunity wasn't there, and I so I s- thought it was a joke, and I said, "Who is this really?" And he said, "It's Rob." And then we went back and forth. <laughs> for about a minute. So he played he, the first prank. That's what got yeah, it started. This is where That's this what all you started. thought. Yeah, right. And then I said, uh, who is this? He said, it's Rob. And I said, no, really? Who is this? And finally he got pretty intense. And he said, listen, do you want the scholarship or not? <laughs> and I said, yes. So I remember going upstairs and telling my parents and we were crying and it was the, one of the best nights. Yeah. Well, she told me that night at the end of the phone call that you'll never regret this. I never did. Was there anything in this movie when you watched it that surprised you, Coach? Uh, I, I'm sure there was some because I didn't I didn't remember everything. So looking back at some things, I'd I'd go, oh yeah. I don't know that it surprised me. I, I didn't know what it was going to be like and what it would be about. I mean, it maybe surprised me what a great job they did in telling a story about women in sports and little girls wanting to be have the opportunity. And uh, it, it's just, just a whole story of that was, was and which is great. I mean that that is that is what it's about. Megan, <laughs> you were surprised it was going to be good. 
Did no. I hear that correctly? I can say that if I know it that correctly. I didn't say that. I was surprised what the story was. I thought there'd be about half an hour on Meg Harrington. I edited a bunch of that out. Megan, from an editing perspective, though, I find this fascinating because I'm a print journalist first and foremost before I ever got into radio, and so much of print journalism is taking all your interviews and Mm -hmm. using the best quotes, and so much you throw away, and you have to get over the remorse of getting rid of all this stuff or saving it for later or whatever it might be. I'm sure when you're talking about doing Mm. film interviews, you must have had hours of footage that didn't get into the film so any plan for maybe what to do with that footage afterwards and how hard was that part of the oh the that making? was hard that was hard there were stories where i was like oh but that is so good that we can and it just didn't work we had 59 minutes um wonderful interviews that i think um the university would really benefit from having them edited together um mm. i know an editor uh that would make <laughs> those available in the Hall of Champions to make that additional content because uh, Jed Heathcote, you know, he also talked about a bunch of different things. Um, that sort of content would be wonderful because we've captured it and there's, they should, I think it would be great to consider getting the remaining people who weren't interviewed for the film because I wish we could have interviewed every single person. Um, so that's what I would think would be a wonderful thing to do and bonus features on the DVD. It's, it's, it's those other stories outside of the basketball series that are really touching. The House that Rob Built, it airs as part of the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. The two original screenings, tomorrow at the Wilma and Sunday evening at the Elks, are sold out. But a third screening, 2 o'clock, Sunday in the UC Ballroom, is available. You can go to BigSkyFilmFest.org to get tickets for that. I can't wait to see this film. I moved to Missoula, Montana in 1992, going into sixth grade, the oldest of four kids, as I said this was what we did as a family was going to Lady Grizz basketball games and it is so interesting because I lived in this town that women's basketball as the other is not even an experience that I have in my history Mm -hmm. and now as the father of daughters uh, I'm very grateful to that and it is because of this program that that is the case for me and hopefully that this film will express some of that to a wider audience as well I'm sure that it will Megan Arrington, Robin Selvig, thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you, you. Ryan and Coulter. We'll quick break. We'll come back. We'll do something less interesting for sure (laughs) next. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right, they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. To have those two in here and to discuss that, and again, it's interesting because we, I, I, this show started... Well, Robin Selvig was still the head coach, but it wasn't it wasn't within but a year, maybe two, that he retired. And so most of the interviews that I have done with Coach Selvig 
I think I, I honestly, I think I, I think the first interview I did with him was the last one that I did with, that was about basketball <laughs> because right. it was the last time he was coaching in a game, uh, or you know, before the announcement of the retirement. Everything else has been sort of retrospective, and I think it took some time for. Uh, reasonably, where you you know it's not really what he wants to talk about. You're always going one foot in front of the other, like you said, and uh, and now at this point, especially with this documentary uh, coming out, so interesting and and uh, uh, enjoyable to talk to him and, and to uh, Meg Harrington as well about you know 40 years and what that has meant. You know, so very broadly, very very interesting. Well, I think that you said it best too when you bid them goodbye. In that women's basketball, especially if you grew up in Missoula in the late eighties and early nineteen nineties, there was not it was not even in the realm of consciousness that that was the number two or right. second to the Grizz. And the men Grizz were rolling at that moment mm-hmm. as well under Blaine Taylor in the nineties. Like when you were referencing that timeline, yet I really didn't have any comprehension that women's basketball was less popular or less prestigious. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't right. at all. Yes. I mean, the Lady Grizz during the '90s were drawing 5,500 fans That's every right. single night. Yep. I mean, they were out drawing what the men are doing right now. And yep. so it's. Uh, I think that what they tried to frame it as as a documentary about the evolution of women's sports in America, especially in small town America, is phenomenal because it is one of the great examples of that that we've seen. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. This is breaking news from Adam Schefter. Great. The NFL playoff structure is about to change. What are they going to do? Hopefully, I hope that they do what they should do. Which is what? Not give division winners home games when they have terrible records. This, I I have always thought that the NFL playoffs were perfect. I don't, I love the division winning, getting a bye. I don't care about it, or not, you know, not a bye, but a, but a home game. Two byes, six teams each count. I think it's perfect. It's the right number of teams. 12 teams out of 32 go. The the regular season is is important. They're adding a team. I see that from each conference, and now only one team will get a bye in the postseason. Is this right? And so, so then it's going to be seed gets a bye. And so what you would have is the six teams that are there would all play each other three playoff games in the opening weekend, presumably the wild card weekend or whatever. Right. 
and then four then, then you would have four teams left on each side uh, and so essentially what you do is you add a team and you lose a buy team is what happens here because you're still going to have the same number of games two games in the divisional round then the championship and then the uh, Super Bowl but what this looks like this does is adds one game per conference in the wild card round you will now have three games instead of two but only one team will have a bye instead of two and then when you go into the divisional round you're back to your final four uh this says again this is per adam uh schefter it will go into effect this upcoming season more on espn.com uh coulter I, one thing that surprises me about this stuff with as many people like Shefty that are out there doing this, mm-hmm. I had not heard anything about this as a possibility, like rumblings that something like this, like the change to the... I mean, you always hear, well, are you going to add a game, subtract a game, less preseason games, whatever. So they're always tinkering with stuff and some of the rule changes and some of the things like that. But this is a significant change to... The structure of the playoffs, now 14 teams are getting in instead of 12, and at no point had I even heard a rumor of something like this, and now I'm being told this is real, this is happening. Well, that's because there's only like a couple guys that are actually doing no, real it's journalism. it's just a proposal. Is it a proposal? Yeah, it's being proposed under the new CBA. It's not nothing definitive. Adam Schefter, I'll read the tweet. Adam Schefter. A check mark next to the saying, NFL playoff structure is about to be changed under the current CBA proposal. Seven, and it is, that is a proposal, okay? Seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs with only one buy per conference. Source tell the ESPN it would go into effect this upcoming season. But, I mean, that's, the, the proposal, or the CBA is a proposal, but it he says it is about to change, so I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the rumbling. Do you like this? Um, What's your initial reaction to this, if this was true? Like, if this was actually going to happen? I mean, I think, that, I think that the NBA has too many teams in the playoffs. If, there were, if you're going to keep 16 teams in the playoffs, I think you need to restructure it. Because the way that it's structured right now with conferences... I was looking at the Eastern Conference standings, and like the teams that are in 6th, 7th, and 8th right now are... Like ten games under five hundred were just past the All Star break, and they're still like in the driver's seat for playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Whereas, when this has been the way the NBA has been for a little while now, where you have teams that are going to get tenth in the West that have fifteen more wins than the teams that get seventh and eighth in the East. So, I think if you have one of the best records in the NBA, especially because it's an eighty-two game schedule where you play every team in the league at least twice, that if you have one of the best sixteen records in the league. If you're going to have 16 teams make the playoffs, it should be your 16 best teams, not not eight and eight in each conference, and leave some better teams out. I think that one of the things that's beautiful about the NFL playoffs is that it really you have to be on the fringe of a top 10 team in the league to make the playoffs, and that's why I think it's great. Adding another team, I don't know. Is that does that dilute the product? I'm not sure. I was hoping for a restructuring where. A terrible NFC East winner like the Eagles this year don't get a home game against a team that's substantially better than them. But I don't know. What do you think of this? Well, I I, I don't I have no problem with a seven and nine division winner, which is very rare getting in. 
Okay, because I think the division games, you play them twice as opposed to once against everybody else, and they matter more. They palpably are more interesting and more important than the other games on your schedule. And so I like the fact that there is a, a race within a race in that respect, even if it does deliver from time to time a team that doesn't really deserve to be in compared to other teams. And if you want to ask me what I do like about this, it's this. The seventh team that's getting in is probably going to be a team that's better than the worst division-winning team. Probably true. And so maybe that allays some of what you talked about where all of a sudden now that a team that did deserve that wasn't getting in is now going to get in. So that's good. Here's what I hate about this. Hate. One team getting a bye means there is such a huge advantage in what would potentially be a conference championship game that the team, there's only one opportunity for the team that got the bye to be playing with one game, with having had the bye week and only one game of, of you know, in between them and that championship. Whereas it, it will ensure that a team is going to have to have played on wildcard week and not had a week off and then go in. And I think we'll have a definitive disadvantage then in the NFC and AFC championship games for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I think that the look, Baltimore had a bye, they lost. Okay. And so then Tennessee was the team that went and lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. So obviously it doesn't ensure anything like, you know, the two teams with the bye go ahead and play for it. But there's an equity there with having two teams that have buys when you get into the later rounds of the playoffs and when it's really on the line, when you're talking about a trip to the Super Bowl, that will not it, – it, it's not even now possible for it to be the case here. And there's a, there's a certain – I mean, three teams in the NFC were thirteen and three. Yes. New Orleans was on the out. You know, was was didn't have a chair when the music stopped, so to speak. And that's disappointing. I mean, that's just a bummer. They didn't deserve what happened to them. This ensures that there are teams who. I mean, it's how rare is it where you go without question, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's the best team in the conference. It happens. I mean, New England was 16-0, and 0, okay? So it does happen where there's a definitive best team, and so good good for you, you've earned your bye. But I think it's so much more frequent where there are multiple teams who have maybe even identical records, often identical records, 12-4, and 13-3, and, and, and now you got one team who isn't going to have a bye for no reason other than the tiebreaker fell that way. And that I don't yeah, love. So many of the tiebreakers are determined by performance on the field. Don't you think that giving such a high priority of the number one seed will improve the football as a whole? No. Because we see teams navigate the last three weeks of the season when they know what they've already clinched or what they could clinch. I think this way, everybody's gunning for the number one seed, and they will have to gun for the number one seed until the final game of the year, especially when there's three teams at 13-3. and No one's going to rest anybody. Everybody's going to be taking an extra shot before the game to make sure that they can play. Is that good for the overall long-term health of the players? No, but at this point in the NFL, that's a complete facade anyways. So just give me the best players that are out there running it every single weekend. You know, I think that's a good point. Uh, I think there's a potential where if you are guaranteed to just be the two or three, then week 17 you take it off because you're not playing for anything, because there isn't a second buy that's available. So you could have that sort of effect on it. Uh, I do think, though, also... There is in week 16 and especially week 17, there's going to be a lot. Right now, there's a, usually about three or four games. 
that matter for seeding, and often there is one game where you're like, okay, this is a playoff game. Like the winner gets in and the loser is out in week 16 or 17. I think this increases the number of those week 17 games that have direct impacts both for seeding and for entry into the tournament. And that gets great. Like that can really, I think, improve the 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 fun and the interest in the final weekend of the season. But I don't think that's lacking anyways. Here's the thing. How many games do you watch in, a, in an NFL weekend? One. Okay, you watch one. One to two. Maybe somebody watches 16, even three or four. <laughs> right, David. David's watching them all. That's fine. But all I'm saying is this. The games that don't matter in Week 17 between two bad teams who are already out, you weren't going to watch anyway. So, the you know, that those games existing I don't think is bad. What does matter is that there's it ensures, ensures that there are games that are worth watching in the last weekend of the season, which all almost always there are. Maybe now there's more. Maybe, you know, maybe that's good for the league or whatever. I still think, though, 14 out of 32, I like 12. I, I, I just like 12. I think it matters. It makes the playoffs more – it makes the regular season uh, – more of a prove it ground than than this but only slightly so i'm not going to sit here and say i'm out on this for that reason i think there's something to like i think there's something to not like here and i'm interested to see if this really is real adam schefter tweeted it i mean it's like in stone right it's two telling the one is 1029 espn radio Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 